37th chapter. And we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Genesis, the 37th chapter. And we're going to read verses 19 and 20. And when you have it, I just ask you to just say amen. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dream. Amen. May the Lord have blessed to the readers, hearers, and the doers of his word. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you on this day, Lord, just thanking you for yet another opportunity, dear Heavenly Father, just to preach your word. Father, we pray for guidance and direction, Lord. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done and are doing, Lord. And we will give you the praise that you and you alone are worthy of, Lord. So these prayers are going to ask right now in the mighty presence name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen to Senior Pastor Morris in his absence. Associate Pastor Miles. Evangelist Minister Riley, deacons and everyone else. We, Mike is kind of acting a little funny this morning. Thank you, let's just maybe see it. Tell you what I'm gonna do. We're gonna switch back over. Genesis, that 37th chapter, and that verse 19 to 20, the verse, and, and one of the things that I will say is that people sit on the after some dying and wasting away because of the simple fact that they've helped and they've let the enemy kill their God-given dreams. Everything's going to act funny today. I don't know what it is. But this week, I don't know. This week, this message has been weighing on me all, all week long. I've worked on this thing, and they've been dealing with me all week. And I, I told my wife that on Friday, I had a couple of hours layover at work that we had to wait for a couple of hours, and God was just giving me things, and I was just on my phone, and I was just doing things and working on his message and working on his message and I got home and it was all gone. Everything. And I said, okay, Lord, what's going on here? I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what the deal is with this, but, but nothing is, it, it makes no sense. It's, it's all gone. And my wife said, well, maybe that was just something for you that God was just sharing with you. I said, well, I sure hope not, because he's got some good stuff he was talking about. <laughs> I sure hate for everybody else to miss on out on that, too. 
But as I stopped and I looked and I started going through and I started looking at this thing, the message I want to leave you with today is don't help the enemy kill your dreams. When I first started working on this message, I, I, I had said, don't let the enemy kill your dreams. But then the more as I started looking at it, and I started going a little deeper, and I started looking at Joseph and Jacob like that, I said, no, 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 this thing, this, is, this message changed. And so it changed from don't let the enemy kill your dreams to don't help the enemy kill your dreams. Some of you will understand but I'm going to do this. I don't care if I got to preach without a mic. I don't care. I'm going I'm to say this thing. I'm going to get this thing out there. I don't know if it was just for me or for somebody else. Like, we could shut every last one of these mics off, except for this one. Shut them all off. Shut, shut everything down, except for the one that I have. Growing up in the, going with the grandmama with church in, in the country, they didn't have no mics. They ain't had no air conditioning. They had them wooden floors and they just opened the windows and praise the Lord. We don't think we got a little spoil. We can't even come to church if the, if, the, if the AC isn't working right. But here's what I want you to understand. Neither Jake, no, Joseph nor his father helped the situation when it came to his brothers. I mean, his daddy showed favoritism. Gave him a tunic of many colors, and did not hide the fact that Joseph was his favorite. He didn't hide that. They all knew that he was his favorite. I mean, I mean, go back. Go back and look at that third verse. And it reads, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And also he made him a tunic of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Mamas and daddies, mamas and daddies, some of you are guilty of the tension between the siblings because we show favoritism. But I also want you to understand that the enemy hates you because God also shows favoritism. God shows favoritism to us as his children. And the enemy hates that. He, he knows that the dream that God has put in you. And many writers also mention, because if you also look at that, uh, that the next verse up, that second verse, and it's on that 37th chapter, it says, this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Belah and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, a lot of writers don't think Joseph was doing just telling his brothers just to be causing any problems or anything like that. But... Personally, I think Joseph was just being a 17-year-old kid. I think he was just running back just to tell daddy on his brothers. Running his mouth. And, and, and how do I know this? 
because I have a younger brother. When we were growing up, this joker was always wanting to run back telling mom and daddy everything that was going on. Every time I turned around, he was running, talking about he wanted to tell it. Needless to say, that caused him to end up in a lot of headlocks and some other things that I'm not willing to stand here to confess to right now. I might have to de deny it at a later date, so I'm not willing to, to confess to that. But, but younger brothers doing what younger brothers do. Running back, talking and telling about, ooh, let me tell you what they did. Now, 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 now I want you to understand now, his brothers were wrong for what they did. I'm not justifying what his brothers did. His brothers were wrong. However, daddy and son played a role in this as well. I know you heard the saying, there's two sides to every coin. It's not just a one-sided story. Everybody always think I'm the one that was right and the other person was the one that was wrong. No, 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 no. You both played a role in that. I come to learn over the years that there's not two sides to every story, but there's three sides. It's his side, it's her side, and in the middle is the truth. You just got to figure out where that middle ground is, and somewhere you'll find out what the truth really is. But it's never just one person's fault. And what we have going on here is not just one person's fault, but they are contributing to what's going on. So I want to let you know this morning, don't help the enemy to kill your dreams. Jehovah, Joseph means Jehovah has added. Now, not man has added, but Jehovah has added. The enemy already hates you, and if he could have, he'd have killed you a long time ago. How do I know this? How do I know this? I know this from personal experiences. Years ago when the Lord called me into the ministry, while I was still in the military, and I, I traveled a lot. I traveled all over the U.S., flying here and there because we had a lot of units we had to go train that were responsible for. And I remember this one time in particular as we were coming back into San Antonio, and we were, we were landing. And just as the wheels hit the ground, the pilot hit it and took back off again. We didn't know what was going on. And it wasn't until we got off the plane that we found out that when he was landing, he had to take back off again because there was another plane on the runway he was going to run into. And folks asked me, well, were you scared? I honestly told them, no. But let me tell you why. Because God had already told me that he had a plan for my life. He had already told me that I was here for a reason, that he called me with a purpose. And I hadn't fulfilled that purpose yet, so I knew it wasn't time for me to go nowhere. So I wasn't scared about anything. I wasn't scared at the time. So there was another time. Show one more time with you. This time was a little different. I was at a different place in my life at this particular point in time. I was going through a bad time. Down. Didn't care about anything. To the point to where as I told the Lord, it was okay if you don't wake me up in the morning. I'm not going to do nothing to hurt myself. But Lord, I'm, I'm okay with you not opening my eyes in the morning. I'm okay with that. I'm, thinking, I'm not thinking about your will. I'm not thinking about your purpose. I'm just thinking about the hurt I'm having right now. The trials I'm going through. It's, it's, it's too much right now. I, I don't want to do this. And I used to I used to part-time deliver with Domino's. Everybody, everybody's eating Domino's. I used to, I used to be part-time delivery with them. The one on 78. 
And there was a bad storm going on on this particular night. I mean, winds going, raining, and I mean, just wind, and, and then it, it's knocking down power lines. That's how strong it is. And for anybody that's familiar with that, Domino's on 78 is right next door to that Sonic. There's a Sonic that's right next door. And, and, and I'm standing outside, and you know that big Sonic sign? The wind took out a big chunk of it and fell just a foot or two away from it. And God told me, you might be ready to go, but I'm not ready for you to go. So straighten up and get ready to do what I told you to do. Because it doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter how down things are. It doesn't matter how people might be against you. I'm still with you, and I still have a purpose for you in your life. I haven't turned my back. Others might have turned their backs on you, but I have not turned my back on you. I'm still with you. So we need to understand that even though the enemy might want to take you out, there's not a thing that he can do. He doesn't like you. He doesn't care about you. But I'm going to tell you what it is that he's really wanting to stop. But what you have to do is you have to stop providing assistance to the enemy. You see, they already hated Joseph, and his stories about his dream didn't help the situation. Go back to that 19th and that 20th verse. It says, then said, they said one to another, look, this dreamer is coming. They didn't say our brother's coming. They didn't say, look, 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 look. Here come Joseph. Here come my brother. No, 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 no. They said, this dreamer is coming. The dreamer is a Hebrew phrase that expresses contempt and literally means Master of dreams. But then they said, once we kill him, we will see what will come of his dreams. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Joseph's brothers were more interested in killing the dream than they were about killing Joseph. Somebody missed that. The enemy doesn't necessarily care about you, but it's that dream that God has put in you. Y'all still don't get it. You think he's after you, but he's after what's in you. That God-given dream, that God-given purpose that God has given everybody in here, the enemy wants to stop. He knows that better than you do. I don't care who you are, God has put something in you. God has given everybody in here a dream. God has given everybody in here a purpose that he wants to bring to pass, but the enemy does not want that to come to pass. And that's what happened here with Joseph. They weren't concerned about Joseph, the brother. They were concerned about the dreamer and the dream. If I can just stop the dream, everything is going to be all right. But Joseph, he was just immature, and he was just talking, and he was just running his mouth and sharing too much. And quite honestly, you and Joseph just need to go somewhere and sit down. Because, you know, some of us talk too much. Some of us run our mouth too much. We would talk too much. And we need to go somewhere and sit down. Have a seat. Be quiet. Stop helping the enemy and giving him the stuff that he needs. You are talking to the wrong people. God didn't put that dream in you to share with everybody. 
Everybody's not there to help you fulfill that dream, and you need to understand that. I don't care that they go to church. That don't mean that anything. Just because they're in the church and sit on the pew next to you does not mean that they are there to help your dream. You need to understand now that everybody that's patting you on the back is loving you. The enemy will use whoever he can get his hands on. I mean, he used Joseph's brothers. You would think your siblings care about you. You would think your siblings love you, but instead he used his siblings. And daddy and Joseph helped that situation. They gave the enemy something to work with. Joseph was 17, but the things in his dream didn't happen until he was 30 years old. It was 13 years later when those things in his dream came to pass. In the Bible, the number 17 symbolizes overcoming the enemy and complete victory. Here's something I want you to get. Joseph knew about the dream, but he didn't have a clue about the preparation needed in order to get the dream to come to pass. Just because God shows you the dream doesn't show, he hasn't showed you the roads you need to travel to get that dream. And we miss that. We think now that we've seen the dream, now everything is over, now everything is good. No, 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 there's some work to go with that. There's some work that's coming along with that dream, and you need to understand that. Joseph, like a lot of people, were more interested in the dream and less about the process. It took 13 years of being humble, matured, and prepared for the God-given dream. Some of you right now are going through your preparation period. Some of you are being prepared. Some of you are being humbled. Because your pride wouldn't allow you to do the things God has showed you. Your pride would get in the way. Joseph's attitude was all wrong. It wasn't about his brothers bowing down to him. He, he got this thing all wrong. He's looking at his brothers and his father bowing down, and that's not what it's about. Getting the dream without going through the process leads to disappointment, heartache, failure, and ultimately it will lead to you losing the dream if you don't go through the process. Joseph had to learn that it wasn't about his brothers bowing down, but it was about God using him to deliver his family and his people. God's dream is always bigger than you. It's not about what you can get from God, but it's what God can get out of you. What can God do through you? What can God accomplish through you to do his will? And one thing that we know from reading the scriptures is that Joseph knew all along his journey that God was always with him and that he kept him. Whether Joseph lived in the master's house or the prison house, God always caused Joseph to prosper. Whatever he put his hand to, God bless. No matter where you start, so now some of you can relate to this, no matter where you start, God always causes you to rise. Wherever it may be. If you look back, you have always rose to the top. And it was through no efforts of yours. It was through God opening doors. He was working out situations for you. And all you had to do was just be obedient and do the things that God has called you to do. Many sitting here today would have told God to keep his dream if he'd have told him what you'd have had to go through to get it. I mean, if you're honest, I don't know, I would. Lord, you, you can keep that. Mm. You, you, can, you can hold on to that thing. You want me to do what? You want to let them do what to me? I don't think you thought this thing through, but that's how we are. You see, many people want a testimony without first going through a test. 
But you have to understand that you cannot separate the two. There is no testimony without first having a test. Everybody likes hearing those testimonies goes going forth, but people don't understand that couples can't counsel any couples if God didn't take your marriage through hell and back. Kind of hard for you to tell somebody how to hold on if you hadn't had to hold on before. You can't tell people that God will provide for you if you've never struggled through trying to find a job yourself. It's hard for you to understand what somebody's going through if they're about to lose their home and everything that they own if you've never experienced getting a foreclosure notice on your own song. You can't encourage someone that's in their sick bed and tell them that God can heal their body and raise them up again if God has never put you on your back before. But to hear a story from my sister, if she were to stand up and tell you her own story. Now, I can tell you I've seen God raise people up. I can tell you that. I, I can tell you I've gone to the hospital rooms where, where, where God didn't think people were going to make it. Well, not God, but, but people didn't think they were going to make it. Their family gave up on them. Their loved ones gave up on them. Everybody gave up on them except for God. And I can tell you how God turns things around. But the weight that it carries when somebody was laying in that bed and God raised them up and God told them and people told them that you'll never walk again but you're able to stand on your own that the testimony that comes from your mouth will carry a whole lot more weight than it comes from mine. Because I'm just telling you about what I heard and what I've seen, not what I've experienced. Job, you, you, you remember Job now. You remember everything that Job went through. You remember everything that happened in his life. Job said that he had heard of God with the hearing of his ear, but then he said, but now my eyes have seen you for myself. I'm not just relying on what I've been told, God. I, I'm not just going by what people have told me you can do. I'm going by what I've seen you do for me. I'm going by the doors I've seen you open for me. This is not what I've heard. This is what I know. And I, I'm, I'm, bringing this, I'm, I'm wrapping these things up. So you need to understand that God needs to take you through some things sometimes. But he's taking you through to help somebody out. It's not just for you. It is not just for you to suffer. It's about your testimony. Your testimony will help somebody continue on. Somebody might be giving up today, but your testimony will have them get up and go on to tomorrow. But you've got to be willing to be honest. You've got to be willing to open your mouth. You've got to be willing to let people know that my life hasn't always been perfect. Things haven't always gone well. I haven't always been on the, on the positive side of things. I've had some down times. I've had some rough times. I've had to look for jobs. I've been unemployed. I've been trying to figure out where things are going to come from. But God has always made a way. I might not have money in my pocket, but I have food on the table. I might not have had a dime in the bank account, but there was a roof over my head. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. All I can tell you is that you've got to learn how to trust God, keep your hand in God's hand, and know that he will work it out. But I'm telling you, you got to go through some things. you got to know for yourself. I remember growing up, mom and daddy told me some things, but when I became a man, there's some things I had to figure out on my own. There were some things I had to understand that, that mom and daddy's testimony could not get me through. I had some times where I had to figure this thing out on my own. That, Lord, I know that you're able because I see what you're doing. I, I see how you're keeping me in spite of me. And if you want to talk about going through, 
I understand that, you know, that, that black history is more than just one month. It's 365 days and 366 doing leap year. But as this Sunday is what's known as the last Sunday of what's known as Black History Month, I'm reminded of somebody else that had a dream. Hmm. I remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talking about a dream that he had. Now, now here's something that, that, that I found out. Supposedly the original speech did not include the part about his dream. He didn't put that, it was said that he didn't put that part in his speech when he was giving that speech. However, on Wednesday, August 28, 1963, when Americans stood for their final speech on the march on Washington, D.C. It said he stood at the podium and it said that he pushed his notes aside after his speech. Because like I said, the, the original speech was supposedly more political and less historic and didn't include the reference to his dream. However, when he pushed it aside, it is said that Mahalia Jackson, who was standing nearby, kept saying, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream, Martin. And while no one knows for sure if he heard her or not, but it was at this point that he added the dream to his speech. Now, I don't personally know if he heard the speaker, heard her speaking or not, or if he heard the Holy Spirit speaking. But I know that he told the story about his dream. And I believe that he knew that he was going to go through what he had to go through long before he had that dream. Because if you remember in his speech, he said that I might not get to the promised land with you. He said I might not get that, but he did say that I've seen the promised land. I'm, I'm telling you the kind of God that we serve. God has showed him the promised land. He said, you might not get there with him, but I'm going to show you what it looks like. I'm going to let you see it with your own eyes. And we have to understand that the dream is always bigger than the person. The larger the dream, the larger the price that needs to be paid. Like I said before, Joseph's brothers were more interested in killing Joseph, I mean, in killing the dream than they were about killing Joseph. They were after the dream. And what you have to understand is the enemy is after your dream, but don't help him to kill your dream. You see, the enemies went after Dr. Martin Luther King were going after his dream. They weren't necessarily going after Dr. King. It wasn't Dr. King that they were after. It was the dream that was in him is what they wanted. And that's what the enemy went after. The, the, the enemy heard about the dream that he had within him, and that's why he went after him. And you have to understand that even though they were able to put their hands on Dr. King, they couldn't put their hands on the dream. You can touch the man, but you can't touch the dream. The dream is not yours to touch. The dream belongs to God, and he is the one that's in control of that. So I don't care what you do to the man, the dream will live on. They killed him, but his dream lives on today. And even though we still have a long way to go, the distance that we've traveled as a people and the things that we've overcome and accomplished are fulfilling that dream that Dr. King talked about back in 1963. 
But do not help the enemy kill your dreams. I know y'all expecting some preaching and all that kind of stuff like that, but I'm letting y'all know I already preached. I don't know if y'all were looking for some hooping and all that other kind of stuff, but, but there's some preaching that's already took place here on the day. Whether you take it or not, that's on you. But God wants you to understand that he has given everybody here that God-given dream. He has put that vision in you, and you have to understand, do not help the enemy. The enemy's already after you. He don't care about you, but he's after that dream that's on the inside of you. But you have to make sure that you don't help him to kill that dream that God has placed in you. But I need you to understand one more thing as I bring this thing to a close. We get, we, we get ready to get out of here. It's about time to get ready to get out of here. But I want you to understand this. There was another man over 2,000 years ago had something that God put inside of him. God had showed Jesus Christ the man. Okay, we're talking about the man. The, the, the man that walked saw what God had in store for his people. And the man Jesus Christ said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I, I, I see what I got to go through in order for this thing to come to pass. I, I don't want to have to suffer the way I'm going to have to suffer. But I am here to serve you, God. I, I, I am here for your will. I'm here to do what you have called me to do. So not my will, but thine will be done. And for that reason, because he wasn't here to do his own will, but he was to do the will of his father, the man, Jesus Christ, allowed them to take him from judgment hall to judgment hall. The man, Jesus Christ, allowed them to put him on a cross. The man, Jesus Christ, allowed them to put spikes in his hand and spikes in his feet. The man, Jesus Christ, allowed them to raise that old rugged cross that they put him on. The man, Jesus Christ, laid down his life. The man, Jesus Christ, allowed them to take him and to put him in a borrowed tomb. The man, Jesus Christ, laid there for three days and for three nights. The man, Jesus Christ, allowed all these things to take place for the vision that God had for his people. But also what took place is that Early on that Sunday morning, they said that there was an earthquake. They said the ground began to move and they said that the storm was rolled away. And then when that took place, let me tell you, it wasn't the man Jesus Christ that came forth. It wasn't the man Jesus Christ that was talking about the dream. It was the Savior Jesus Christ that came forth and said, I am that dream. It was the Savior Jesus Christ that said that I am now risen for you. I am here to save you from your sins. I am here to take you to my Father. I have laid down my life for you and I have taken it up once again. The Savior, Jesus Christ, is risen and is alive today for every last one of us. The Savior, Jesus Christ, shed his blood for you because you could not do it for yourself. The Savior, Jesus Christ, has opened the doors to heaven. And all you've got to do is come down the aisles and ask, what must I do to be saved? The man Jesus Christ said that I'll take you by your hand. 
He said that I am here for you. He said I'll never leave you. He said I'll never forsake you. I am with you always until the end of the age. Do not let the enemy kill your dreams. Do not help the enemy to kill your dreams. You need to learn how to trust God. You need to learn how to walk with God. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And he is here for you today. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to say that if anybody don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, don't make the mistake of walking up out of here today without meeting the Savior, Jesus Christ. We told you the story about the man, but this is about the Savior. The Savior is here. And what you want to do is that you don't know him for yourself. This is your time. While we have this selection, if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, we have decision counselors. Maybe somebody just want to give their life back to Christ. Maybe somebody just want to rededicate their life. Maybe somebody just needs prayer this morning. But whatever it is you stand in the need of, God is here to for you.